What is up, guys? Welcome to the special episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me is my great co-host, Raul Hanna. And today, we are going to be previewing Paraguay's next match against Bolivia at the Defensores del Chaco on Tuesday. And what better way to have someone to talk about La Verde than Tim Benevols, a Bolivian football expert. If you remember a couple of years ago, we had him on to talk about that Bolivia game over there in the uh, in, in La Paz, and now we get him back again. So... Tim, glad to be back. Glad to see you back here. And, you know, I guess for those that maybe haven't listened to that episode or for anyone that maybe doesn't know who you are, can you tell a little bit of the audience about your connection to Bolivian football? Uh, well, basically, to cut it short, uh, my dad, uh, thanks for having me on anyway, uh, first of all. It's always a great pleasure to listen to you because, uh, like I was saying last time, it's quite hard to actually find content about Paraguay in English that, that people in England can listen to. And I get my cousin and my school friends and they all ask me things now and again before they're going to bet or something. So, yeah, you help. You're of a, you're of a help. You're not doing it in vain. <laughs> and uh, the, the connection in Bolivia was my dad was posted there in the 90s and uh, I was there and I've always been football stat crazy. So I started keeping stats and just even though we'd left 20 years ago, I keep I keep my eye on it, and uh, I'm in most of the journalist WhatsApp groups. So uh, just keep my eye on the ground, you know. Always got to be up aware with everything that's going on, especially in this part of the world. So I, I respect yeah. it. I guess the one thing that we do have to see and, and really give any sort of respect, if at all, is Bolivia. Because currently, at the time of recording, we're coming off their third game of the World Cup qualifiers. Again, another loss for them, although they did have some light in that game against Ecuador in La Paz, where they did score the equalizer, but ultimately it was a last-minute goal from Kevin Rodriguez to give Ecuador all three points, which means that Bolivia are still in last place, no wins, zero points. And I guess, you know, going into that, really, how have you assessed Bolivia so far during this campaign? I mean, it's going to be very difficult for any team to qualify for the World Cup from South America. But now with these expanded slots, it gives teams like Bolivia a chance to you know, aspire to go and to go and qualify for the World Cup here in North America. So I just want your thoughts on how you've seen Bolivia so far in these first three games under a manager that, you know, Ralph and I have always talked about during his time in Paraguay, and you definitely have beforehand in Gustavo Costas. Yeah, well, well, there are a lot of ways, there are a lot of things we can talk about there. One is the fact that I think we discussed last time, the fact that Bolivia's really gone backwards since 94 and... And unfortunately, I think that Farias, last time, Farias was probably their best chance or as good as it was going to get. And I mean, we could get into a long discussion there about about managers. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm sure most of us who are Paraguayan can relate to this, uh, Berrizo and Barros Esqueloto were sort of parachuted in and they didn't know anything about us. And uh, now the hope is with Garnero that he was here. He's been here for four or five years, like Tata was before Tata took us to South Africa. And in and in Bolivia's chance, Bolivia's case, and I think I mentioned this to Ralph Fair. The trouble is, Costas was very successful in Peru, very successful here, very successful in Argentina, but he got parachuted in a year ago into Bolivia. He doesn't know anything. So it's the same problem that we had with Berrizo or, or the, the, the Melisos. So I, I don't really see 
how they're going to get anywhere. He he try, has been trying to do things, but there's so much going on aside from football. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but it got it got called off last year and they had to just leave the championship there. Like they didn't manage to finish it because of of uh, blockades, and then then this year, uh, <clears throat> Evo Morales, who used to be the president, is a Coca uh, trade unionist, and he's he got a team into the first division called Atletico Palmaflor, and the government is in at war with him now, so they've started cutting off all the drug trade, so he didn't have money to play his payers to play his, uh, his players. <laughs> and so he realised he was going to get relegated. So he accused Always Ready and Independiente of, of fraud and of uh, match fitching, which I don't know if it's true or not. But the fact of the matter is you can just see the amazing upheaval that there is and so many other interests, politics, drugs, the lot. And football's like trying to go along, but it's just everything's tied to one another do you get me so it's like costas is trying to do a job but like last month that the league was suspended for 35 days because uh because of the match fixing thing but then he wasn't allowed to work with his players and now before the ecuador game they had three days in la paz to get ready three days and he, he does what he can, but, I mean, he, he's on a hide into nothing, if you ask me. And, I mean, uh, to make matters worse, their they're really good player, Roberto Carlos uh, Fernandez, who's actually playing in Russia, he got, uh, he got a two-game ban for getting sent off against Argentina, so he wasn't even able to play these games. And he took the decision... Uh, before the last, before the Ecuador game, that he'd actually get rid of the four, four of the six veterans because uh, they weren't really uh, up to scratch. They weren't doing anything. So he got rid of uh, Husino, Ursino, Saucedo, and Diego Bejarano, who really have been like the back bone of the team. And the only team to the players he's kept on are Lampe, the goalkeeper, Martins, who in his own words is past it for international football, and uh, Ramiro Vaca, who has done a lot of things over time for for the national side, but he's on the bench for Waliwa. So what's he going to do on the bench and suddenly come and play? So if you take all that into account, then I think they did relatively well against Ecuador, but it's it's pretty dire, the situation. And, I mean, like I said before, I really think that Farias was as close, as good as they were going to get because in the previous camp, before the previous campaign, he was with the, the, with the strongest for three years. So he really got a feel for the country and understood the players. But now they're, they're just clutching at straws, unfortunately. And uh, last month, when they played Argentina and Brazil, there were there were journalists who were saying they had never seen Bolivian so lost, and that's quite something <laughs> for Bolivia. That's, what, that's where I was going to go with my first question, Tim. Was 
there's been lots of crises in in Bolivian football over the years, but it does seem at the moment this is this is one of the worst. And and particularly just going to the to the match fixing and and so the local league getting suspended. What have those players been able to do for 35 days? Were they even able to train at the clubs or or how have they been trying to stay in shape? Well, Bolivar are very, very professional and they've got all these Europeans watching them and monitoring TV and the works. And you, you actually saw how Bolivar did in the Libertadores. You can tell that they're at another level physically and mentally. But generally, I mean, they, they try to keep them in check, but it's very hard. I mean, when you've got other circumstances filtering in it, it affects you it affects your state of mind it affects everything football is part of society ultimately isn't it yeah and so one of the things i was, I was thinking about there is it is a team in in a bit of crisis it is very difficult the, mm-hmm. i think the mental factor is going to have to play so much as they travel to paraguay what do you feel about uh, marcelo going there marcelo martins and gustavo costas i guess kind of returning mm. to Paraguay where they might have a bone to pick with with a few people and, and want to, you know, silence a few people. Do you think that's going to be work in Bolivia's favour or maybe it's just it's just too much of a stretch for them? I, th- I, th- I think that they'll probably be a bit demoralised after what happened with Ecuador. And uh, although looking back, they one of their best games was here. Do you remember? The two will draw. They really played to Paraguay's weaknesses. Like they, they weren't putting crosses in to be headed. They were knocking them back to the to the edge of the penalty area, and that's how Martin scored. And uh, I I don't know if Costas actually has a vendetta with Paraguay because I think he he actually won a lot of laudits with what he did with Guarani, particularly Martins. Yeah, I think he did. He did. Uh, it didn't end well with Cerro. I mean, I mean, he, he came and it was made very public, the amount of money he was making. And, and he didn't fit in and he had a bit of bad luck as well. And there was turmoil. But I, I don't know if he's that sort of uh, character. I mean, I've, I've heard him a couple of times and I think he's more worried that he wants to keep playing for Bolivia, but he knows that he's passed it. <laughs> which is quite unusual for some players, isn't it? Because a lot of players have got a, quite a bit of an ego. He may, yeah, he maybe feels a, a kind of responsibility, I suppose, to to help them through this this transition. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask... He'll, prob- he'll probably end up working with, the, with management afterwards. That makes sense. I, I was going to ask, um, looking at... You, you like stats a lot, so just... Could you give us maybe the the head to heads of of kind of Paraguay Bolivia in especially Bolivia's away record, which we know isn't isn't brilliant. Well, uh, I think that we'd never, I think we'd never dropped a point against them until this time, correct? Which was the two or draw, and uh, actually talking about that. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but uh, I was looking at at. Uh, Bolivia Ecuador before the before before the last game and you know that Ecuador have won uh, including the last game now they've won twelve out of fourteen games against Bolivia and drawn the other two <laughs> and their record in La Paz in the last six is one four drawn two so I think Ecuador 
can are actually using that as part of their ploy to get to the World Cup. And uh, get get getting back to us, uh, Bolivia, Paraguay, uh, like, like I, I just said and Roberto confirmed, we've never actually they'd never actually won or got a point in Paraguay until now. In all competitions, we've played eleven. We've played eleven times against them here. There have been two draws, the two all draw last time, and the first game in the Copa America in '99, which was at the Defensores. And apart from that, Paraguay have won have won their, their other nine home games here. And, so, and, and uh, certainly, it's a, it's a lot of pressure really on Paraguay's shoulders to really keep that form because I think you know, especially given the way that. Paraguay have kind of had records broken in the last few years. We're even talking about this on the day that they lose to Argentina for the first time in Buenos Aires in over 50 years. So, you know, people are a bit pessimistic that a record like this, not only having never lost to Bolivia in Asuncion, but also the fact that Bolivia haven't won an away game in so long. So it, it comes into that. And you know, I, I guess going into this game on Tuesday, do you feel as if though Paraguay really are under that pressure? And do you feel that even for Bolivia's case, despite everything that that's been going on for them, that this is the good, this is the perfect opportunity for them to make history, essentially? On paper, yeah, but in practice, I've I, I've got my serious doubts. Actually, uh, talking about records and Ralph's connection. Uh, didn't we talk a couple of years ago that Bolivia and San Marino were were going head to head on the record of most most time without an away win? Because uh, Bolivia, the last time Bolivia won a qualifier away was in April, no, not April, August 1993, when they won in Venezuela, which was I, I don't know if you were even alive. <laughs> I wasn't. I definitely maybe Ralph was a little kid by then, so not definitely not me. And then, and going back, that that the defeat to Argentina, the last time we lost in to Argentina away, I think I was four months old. <laughs> that that was uh, eight or nine Paraguay went eight or nine games unbeaten in Buenos Aires. Yeah, so there's a really a lot and in, in, in to go into. So I guess you know, go to to my question as well to really close it out. Well, you know, kind of a two-parter, really. How can Bolivia, you know, try to expose this Paraguay team and then make history? And also on the back, uh, in reverse, how can Paraguay be able to exploit a Bolivia side, especially a Paraguay side that desperately needs to score goals? It's been a while since Paraguay had been able to score goals in an official game, uh, especially in a game that matters yeah. like this one. So what, what's what's the deal for both these teams for this game? It's actually quite an interesting question because watching us last night, I got the feeling that Paraguay had sort of turned the page. And when they actually tried to attack, they 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 were like more, like they had more self belief. And if you ask me my personal opinion, I think that that it will come good for Paraguay because I think the Garnero uh, knows he's very attack minded, and I think that Bolivia are uh, hobbling around. In, in a way. Now, having said that, I mean, you never know what's going on in people's heads, and all the things that you're that you and Ralph are saying are are uh, quite true. I mean, it, it it does play on you mentally, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that Paraguay haven't scored a goal in 
in these three games, uh, it's already like uh, it's already like a burden. Plus the fact that against Bolivia, we we really do have the 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 baggage of of history with us. I mean. I mean, even if even if it's only through a half goal, I mean, Paraguay have got to win. I, th- I think that's what it all comes down to. And uh, on Bolivia's side, I think they they will try, but I I, I think they they've got their heads down. And uh, it's like like I was saying at, at the beginning, it's it's a very sad situation, and uh, it's very very complicated and complex. And I don't see any quick or easy answers and they 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 haven't really got the players i mean i was trying to put put together if you'll just let me quickly uh get, go through the team that i think that they'll play tomorrow yeah go for it on, go for it. on tuesday and that the, they've got lampe in goal and then they've got uh hacking who normally plays in colombia and sagredo at the back then they've got Diego Medina on the right. He's a really good uh, right back who gets forward, but he's a bit lightweight. So uh, maybe Paraguay can exploit it down there. And then they've got uh, Carlos Roca on the left who plays for the strongest. And then you'll have to have Villamil and Justiniano who are like the linchpins in the centre of uh, midfield for Bolívar. And they've been called up again after... After they hadn't played for Paraguay for for uh, for Bolivia for about a year, then uh, Danny Bejarano, who plays in Cyprus, and Boris Espinosa, who plays in Switzerland, will probably make up the other two midfielders. And then up front you've got Martins, and you've got that Jaume uh, Cuellar, who plays in uh, for Barcelona B in Ecuador. And if they don't use him, then they'll probably use Carmelo Algarañas, who who is another. Martins, he's like 34 or 35 years old. And apart from that, I don't, I don't really think they've got any players of caliber who, who they could put in for, to, to stand up to us. So it'll be interesting to see how actually, how it actually pans out, mentally and uh, physically. 100%. And, and just before we close it off here, we of course like to do predictions like we do with all our guests here. What is ultimately your prediction for this game between Paraguay and Bolivia in Asuncion on Tuesday? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I'm caught in two minds. Either we'll win 1-0, like nail-biting, or we'll win like 4-1 or something. You're Paraguay, <laughs> I would imagine. Paraguay, I'd imagine. Yeah, I yeah no, totally, totally, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think Paraguay will win 4-1. Four one. Okay, yeah. We we said I said three yeah. nil. Ralph, I think you also said four one in your prediction. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I said four nil. Four nil. Yeah. So no, I mean this this is it. Like this is the time for Paraguay to get the goals, get the wins, and and hopefully bounce back because they don't. We've, we've got. Sorry, I'm talking as a Paraguay now, not as a. For Bolivian sure. No, expert, no, it's but... fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I I just think that uh, with the new format, Paraguay have to try and aim for 27 points and uh, assume that you're not going to win at home against Argentina and Brazil. So you've got to try and get four away points. And if we do that, then I think we probably qualify because you need, it's it's six and a half places now, isn't it? So yep. the, the, 
that's the way I think it's gonna it's gonna go. Although it was very surprising last night with Venezuela, wasn't it? They've thrown the spanner in the works. Yeah, yeah every, I think be... everything went wrong for Paraguay last night, so that puts the extra pressure on this Bolivia game to get all three points. They definitely can't afford to draw yeah. like they did last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we have to. We just have to do it now. For sure, and obviously we'll be talking about that game, like the Argentina game, in our last episode, in our next episode. But Tim, thank you so much for for coming on. It was a real pleasure. And to close off this episode for myself, Roberto Rojas, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to this preview. See you soon. <laughs>